Beardy and the Beast Media Club. This is placeholder intro song. Thank you for joining us for the Beardy and the Beast Media Club, a discussion into a piece of media where we don't shy away from spoilers. We will seduce those spoilers like an unfaithful fiance. We are available here and on many other services with a list available at beardyandthebeast.com. My name is Drew, and he probably thought that I was going to imitate Wiesel. Devin? Oh, hi, Drew. <laughs> Joining us is the incredible and talented author and filmmaker, Ashley Good. I'm at least as talented as Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> I, I, would, I would say you're at least 15% more talented. <laughs> Oh, you said I can chill and just uh, a little shout out before I scare away all of your listeners. Um, I'm also the director of the Foggy Owl Film Festival, which you guys have helped with in the past. And that is now open for submissions. So if any of you listeners have a short, dark comedy or short, creative horror film that you would like to submit to our festival, please do so at foggyowlfilms.com. And I will set up a promo code later where you can type in bnb20 to save 20 percent off of your submission code and i'm gonna write that down now or i will not actually set that up <laughs> i wrote it down too we're good to go <laughs> i didn't i leave that with you guys <laughs> where, where can your books be found Oh, you're so sweet for letting me shill my books as well. Um, they are available through all major online retailers. <laughs> you know, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Chapters, wherever your fine books are sold. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> well, today we will be discussing 2003's classic epic, The Room, from Tommy Wiseau. So, Ashley... Was this film a bed of roses, or was it just constant Wiseau butt? I mean, I have breast cancer, so... <laughs> that didn't escape me, like, it, it, when the mother was just like, oh yeah, I have breast cancer, and then there was no reaction, and then it was never brought up again. For the record, I feel like it's bad juju to say words like that out loud, so like, knock on wood, I am healthy, and I do not, but yeah... I mean, I could just throw quotes at you all night. I mean, Devin, tell me about your sex life. <laughs> well, that was easy. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh... Oh. <laughs> the what, one thing that I noticed right off the bat, at least for the first half of the film, is everybody was talking like Tommy Wiseau. Like they had the same kind of cadence and rhythm to what they were saying. It was yeah. really throwing me off. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> it, it was almost like, I, I believe it was written by Tommy, right? It was everything by Tommy. Um, and it's, it's quite clear that there wasn't even an attempt to make the different characters sound like different people in the script writing process. Yeah. I, I, the way I looked at the film myself when it comes to that is it was like it was written by a middle schooler for a film project. And like, there's an idea there and just no way to execute it in any way, shape or form. <laughs> I mean, some might call him an auteur 
I believe is the term. I think there might be a letter wrong. <laughs> I told you I'm really dumb right now. So just, just bear with me. You know, you might expect me to come here today and to shit on the room, but believe it or not, I can't do that. No matter how horrible the movie is, I just, I can't fully shit on the room. Is it because you, know, you, you have a film that you directed, wrote, and starred in? And you're covering it for Tommy. I didn't in it. <laughs> but Drew, that is exactly why independent filmmakers need to stick together. And no, I did not have a $6 million budget like Tommy did. I did not have ties to what I'm assuming is a mafia of some sort. But alas, he put his heart and soul and ass into this movie. And I just... <laughs> I can't tear it apart. You know, surprisingly... Like, let's face it, there's a lot bad about this movie, but I actually really enjoyed it. I actually agree with that. It's like, I can, I could tell that he had a passion for what he was doing. Look at there. <laughs> like, if, if I'm, I'm gonna, it's, it's not one of my classic arbitrary ratings, but all I can say is I didn't hate it. Yeah. Like it's, it's not the core. It's not uh, Highlander Endgame. It's there. There was redeeming features of it, even though it was just very, very odd. Like super strange. The this is gonna be all, off the ball here, but like the introduction of that kid, Denny. Yeah, yeah. In that scene, he came. He came in, and he it totally looked like this little kid. I like guess not a little kid. He was supposed to be like um, college age or whatever, but it looked it looked like he was lusting after Lisa and what's his face. I don't know what Tommy's character's name. Um, I think it was Tommy. No, it wasn't Tommy. No, it was like oh. Don. It's like John Jason or something. Johnny. Before yeah. you get too into the explanation of this film, shouldn't you maybe read out the synopsis of it for you know your lucky viewers and our listeners that haven't had a chance to watch this movie because the synopsis itself is gold <laughs> well that is amazing first thing i'd be saying is why are you listening when you haven't watched the film it's the whole point of media club <laughs> what's the film or i mean don't listen to this and get all the story beats <laughs> oh look we're done <laughs> <laughs> well in conclusion i would like to give the room a three out of five spoons <laughs> by the way how have you not commented on the spoons that are in the background of nearly every scene it was spoons and that's the whole like... thing in the, the cult like okay so the cult movie so there's like little rituals and everything if you go and watch it live usually with friends, if you guys remember what those were like back in the day, you know, mm -hmm. events with friends, they were wonderful. Every time a spoon appears on screen, you have to throw a plastic spoon <laughs> because there are so many references to spoons in this film. So like a Seinfeld-esque Superman thing? Okay, so I'm either having a horrible fever dream or there are, in fact, spoons in the artwork in practically every picture in the background of the movie. And I'm looking it up right now, and I am not on crack. It, yes, spoons. <laughs> <laughs> the thing, the thing. <laughs> 
all of the paintings in the house, it's they're of spoons. Like, yeah, I, I can say of all of the things to catch in the film, that's not what I, not what I caught at all. I was pretty much just focused on butt constantly. <laughs> See, I was really lucky in that my viewing of the room um, was with a group of independent filmmakers before who had all seen it. So they had everything planned out. Um, this was at Cinevic. And yeah, we had the plastic spoons. They knew what to yell out. It was good times. Then we went over and watched The Disaster Artist. So yeah, <laughs> you have to watch the room correctly. There's a method to it. Uh, well, we're, we're too uncultured for that, apparently. That's what happens when apparently. we're just laymen, right? <laughs> <laughs> we're just laymen with opinions. Yeah. I watched a film. <laughs> it was so clear that everything was like self-focused and self-referential like a like a monument to him to himself like mm -hmm. it seemed very like self-centric like even down to the synopsis as you mentioned before like johnny is a success successful bank executive who lives quietly in san francisco townhouse with his fiance lisa one day putting aside any scruple he seduces Johnny's best friend, Mark. From there, nothing will be the same again. It's like, and at every point, everybody was like, but but Johnny's the best. How could you do this? <laughs> to the point where after, after, after he kills himself at the end, I was half expecting it there to be a police officer scene where the police officer is like standing there and just, or the paramedic or something. And just like, why would he do this? Johnny's such a good guy. <laughs> like it would have just been on so on point for what was going on in this film yeah yeah i'm surprised how little i hated this film like definitely very much the tommy tommy wiseau show i like i couldn't help watching and going it's like if you had if you'd just given this script to a friend to like read over it once maybe just move a few of these scenes around just a little bit you probably would have had something here. It still would have been bad. <laughs> <laughs> but even then, I'm like, it's like I could see hints of things like cruel intentions or, or stuff in there. Like the ideas were there. Just because I said before I wouldn't shit on it doesn't mean I liked it. So I'm just <laughs> going to say that. But I admire Tommy Wiseau's let's say gumption and revisionist <laughs> revisionist talent because the movie was a complete and utter flop, but he believed in himself. He believed in himself so much and had $6 million that he managed to turn a film from 2003 into like a 20 year long career path. He still tours around with this movie. And if I recall correctly, he had a billboard up. It was like somewhere in Hollywood Hollywood. I think he had it up for over 10 years. This billboard saying that it was the best movie ever and everybody should watch it. <laughs> like, I wish I believed in myself enough to invest in myself in those ways and to be comfortable enough to show my pasty white ass on camera. But I don't have that, as I said, gumption. So to that, I commend Tommy Wiseau. Well, considering how self-oriented this entire film was, I wouldn't be surprised at his personal focus i guess you could say <laughs> his willingness to go to the end to show everyone himself 
<laughs> Button all. <laughs> I though I do kind of himself out there, bear. <laughs> Some people have suggested that this whole film was just you know a way for him to launder money, but I would like to suggest an alternative, <laughs> an alternative reason behind the room. Think of it. This this film took months and months to shoot. It went well over schedule. It went well over budget. What better? Oh my God! What is the word for alias? Alibi. What better alibi? <laughs> If you were to say commit some murders or such, then to say you were working on a six million dollar movie for the last few months, I present that perhaps, huh? I don't know. <laughs> my, lines. My, I don't know. It'd be hard. It'd be hard to do if you have the entire cast and crew on every scene, regardless if they need to be there or not. I'm just saying, Drew said that E.T. was an allegory for, like, Hollywood pedophiles, so I would like to just randomly throw out the idea that Tommy Wiseau is a murderer. No, I, <laughs> Completely unfounded, of course. Don't sue these guys or me. I, I actually have a theory about this film. I'd love to hear it. I had one developing when they introduced Denny, because, like, there was this whole weird thing where it seemed like this kid was interested, like, in this couple? but not in like a regular friendship way. Like when he hops on the bed and they're all having <laughs> this awkward pillow fight, it's just, I just like to watch you two. And oh I'm God. like, is this kid trying to like seduce this couple? And I also, at that time I thought he was much younger than he was. And I'm like, Oh no, it's happening again. E.T. But, <laughs> but my, my current theory is I think this entire thing was a way for Tommy Wiseau to, at least kind of hook up with Juliet Daniel. Because <laughs> if, unless I'm crazy, I think the only, the only person she actually, at least the only person she's actually topless with and like full grinding on with is Tommy Wiseau. Whereas when she hooked up with Mark on the staircase, which weird spiral staircase with no carpeting, not a great idea. Uh, <laughs> All they did was kind of like neck a bit, and then it was like, okay, we did the thing. Considering how extended every other like sexual encounter in this film was, that one stood really out to me. It was almost like, uh, you're supposed to have sex, but like, we're not going to do much. You could be topless in all the scenes with me, but not with me. So you're saying that this is, in fact, a $6 million catfishing operation. I think so. <laughs> Well, I mean, he liked the Don't sex scene so much he wanted to do another one. <laughs> and she was like, no. <laughs> it's like, I got six million dollars. What are you going to do? <laughs> Have you actually read about his history? and Not all at all. That? No. Oh my god, you guys, the room is so much more than a movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. The Tommy Wiseau rabbit hole goes deep. You're you're the expert here. Yeah. I'm not though. I watched this years ago and I'm just recalling to the best of my recollection. But I highly recommend not only watching the disaster artist movie, but reading the book. The book was like so much better than the movie and it will Yeah, it's very entertaining. Don't buy my book. Buy the disaster artist. <laughs> Actually, no, buy my book. I need to yeah, buy, buy Ashley's book. <laughs> <laughs> just <laughs> 
I, I can say I have not looked into anything about this. Now I want to. Oh, we can we can throw a disaster on the list. Do yeah, I'll have to. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I this should be a two-parter. How, you can't discuss the room without the movie satirizing the room and then the book based on. Yeah, it's just it's very important. <laughs> I just watching it as a something like self-sufficient and standalone. Mm. It was hard at times. Um, not as hard as Tommy's firm white butt, but it's definitely. <laughs> So firm, different. right? Like he's clenching the whole time. Oh yeah, hundred percent. He's trying to oh, make yeah. it look good. Um, <laughs> but I was definitely, I was definitely sitting here, and I was like, "This is about three. The scene is three times longer than it actually needs to be." The weird rose petal stuff was like getting to me. Like it kind of made sense the one time, but then when it became a thing, it's like, "Is this some weird fetishism?" He's trying to showcase with roses. No, it became a thing because the second scene was just like. Um, was cut footage from the first scene because she refused to do another scene like that with them. Oh, really? Yes. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no, that's just one scene. It's the only time it happened because she said, fuck that, I'm not doing it. He's a weird dude. Yep. <laughs> I have, I actually know two people that have met him and yeah, that is the consensus. He is a very <laughs> weird dude that gives off very creepy vibes. Part of me is afraid to insult him because there's like a small part in the back of my mind that's like, would I be friends with Tommy Wiseau, this random 66 year old, possibly Russian mob connected filmmaker? And that small part of my brain is like, yes, yes, I would take that chance to be friends with him. But yeah, I have two sources that said he's creepy as hell. Yeah, I was... Um... I was I was actually talking with Jamie Stillburn of the Vancouver metal band Heron. Check out our podcast with him, Invaders from Mars. Um, and he was telling me that he also met Wiseau um, at a live tour thing. And apparently, like, but he kept walking off the stage and coming back with more belts on for some reason. <laughs> he started with one and then he came back with two and then three. And every time he'd leave and come back, he would have one another belt on clearly he was trying to be a final fantasy character mm. <laughs> but that's the revisionist history that i'm talking about this movie was a failure but he's just like no 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 i was trying to be silly and campy yes look how weird i am but i mean he just leaned into it so you... well, there's, nothing, there's nothing wrong with the leaning into it. it clearly he thought this was serious and that part yeah no I'd have to call BS on <laughs> on it being purposefully bad. Did uh, <laughs> I don't know. I I could I could see an argument for it being purposefully bad, especially with Rick and what's his name, the guy who seemed like he was hopped up on Denny's drugs. Uh, <laughs> ran, random friend's boyfriend with the weird chocolate sex scenes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> There's no one, no way someone acts like that in a drama and the director thinks this is perfect. This is the tone I'm searching for. That seems intentionally campy to me. So, okay. So, this is where, oh, sorry, Devin. Oh, I was going to say, it's like, I, I felt like it was, like, I, 
I think there was an intentional camp, but I think the feeling I got from it was this guy's just watched daytime soaps all the time. And he thinks this is how stories are written. Mm. Like th that's the type of camp I got, not the, I'm going to go watch Velocipaster. <laughs> I want to watch that. <laughs> it's on the list somewhere. So, while filming one of my shorts a couple of years back, I had cast this one actor in the lead role in the short, and he forgot every single one of his lines. Much like every Tom. single one. He and he was fine in past productions, but in this one, could not remember. We would literally feed him lines. We'd be okay. Just say these words, and I will cut it together because this is taking forever. And he would still fuck it up. So never underestimate how bad somebody's acting can be. I say as a non-actor. <laughs> well, as the most um, premier actor that you've worked with, I would say it's not actually that difficult. <laughs> Yeah, from what I heard, you stole the scene. <laughs> Says that one reviewer. <laughs> Better than the other review that said I was responsible for ruining their year. I, it's, I mean, that's, a, that's a really harsh. Like, I really enjoyed um, Pity Party. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Check out Pity Party. Available on... Oh. Is it still available on Amazon? I'll stay alive another day. What? On Amazon? Um, no, I. it's on Vimeo now. I hmm. The whole Amazon thing, they kept suggesting it alongside German softcore porn. Nice. So people would go to watch it, be like, there's children in the first scene. And anyway, I'm pretty sure that's why it's just sitting at 5 point whatever on IMDb, because all these Germans wanted to jack off to it, but it was just an indie comedy. Uh. <laughs> Speaking of like weird chocolate sex boyfriend, uh, <laughs> I totally was getting the feeling that the weird drugs storyline that Denny bought drugs from this gangster who was going to shoot him because he owed him money for some reason, something, something drugs, um, was somehow funneling to weird chocolate sex boyfriend. And that's why weird chocolate sex boyfriend was like tripped over his shoelace, fell a foot. And was like, knock nearly unconscious and was acting really weird. Like, I thought there would be something like that, but nope. Nope. I. It's just all, all, just all about how Johnny, Johnny's the man and everyone should love Johnny, except for the evil, evil woman. <laughs> I was sitting there at like points. I was like, she's not a, she's not a good person. But. Why is everyone acting like she's like a villain? That she's just like fully toxic. Hardcore gaslighting. <laughs> They're trying to gaslight her out of that relationship so they can all have a chance with Tommy Wiseau and that sweet, sweet white ass. I'm pretty. <laughs> at times, the, the biggest twist to me was that Denny liked Lisa. Hmm. I thought I totally thought Denny was into Johnny. Yeah. <laughs> the the biggest twist to me was that the rooftop scene involved a green screen and not actually the backdrop of Los Angeles. Yeah. I, I know I definitely noticed that totally a staircase staircase that made perfect sense for sure. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's like they would walk into the uh, staircase for the rooftop and then immediately go left. It's like, mm. well, there's nothing there. See, I use some of that wise misdirection because I presented that as a joke, but initially I did not realize it was a green screen for like five minutes. <laughs> I was wow. watching this. And I, I mean, I had a drink or two, so that probably, probably influenced it a bit. But I was finally like, oh, it's a green screen. Everyone's like, yeah. <laughs> like, it would have been cheaper to actually just film that on a rooftop. If anybody knows anything about green screens and editing and stuff. But no, they just, he went that extra mile. I, I, I would. And he had a rooftop. Like, I think I read he actually had a rooftop available to him to do the scenes and just didn't use it. Is this why the money laundering conspiracies come up? Like, him just making super weird choices like that? Hey, I mean, you're figuring it out. So I do finger guns, but yes. I, I'm probably I would be interested in knowing if any actors or starlets, you know, went missing during that 2003 filming period. <laughs> Just to see if there's anything to my theory. Let the Googling begin. I <laughs> <laughs> made terrible life decisions when it came to making the films. Never entered my mind for conspiracies like that. I, I just thought it was a poorly put together film. Like nothing made sense. Mm-hmm. Nothing was together. Everything was to prop up Tommy. Everything was to knock down Juliet's character, Lisa. It was like, all, all I got through the entire thing was like, this is a weird filmmaker just trying to like immortalize and film a bad breakup he had. While trying to, I'm just going to guess that Juliet looks like a former partner of Tommy. Yeah. Just saying. So what do you think had a bigger budget, The Room or Justin Timberlake's Cry Me a River music video, which I believe came out around the same time? Probably Cry Me a River. Just in terms of 2000s videos about bad breakups and then creepy doppelgangers. Um, Irrelevant reference. Leave me alone. I'm not old. You're old. Well, that that was during the era of these like multi-million dollar music videos. Yeah. Because those were just huge advertisements for the CD. It's also Justin Timberlake, and that song was massive. Even moody little like metal listening Drew was like, I like the song. I like the song. <laughs> Video's good. <laughs> Girls are stupid. Spooderman. <laughs> the uh... wait. Do you know the answer to this? No, I oh. was just. I thought oh, there was a lull and I threw some stuff out there, but I will happily Google it if that's what you guys want. <laughs> oh. Oh. I... I'm just an old lady making some 2000s references. What do you want? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> well, the, the, the con- like, consistencies with the, like, the characters didn't make sense. I Me mean, as well, like, take Mark, for example. He went immediately from Johnny's the best. I could never do anything to totally hooking up with you, but I totally regret regret it to F Johnny. I'm a terrible person to, oh my God, it's totally Lisa's fault that Johnny shot himself 
out of nowhere. I'm just like, the characters didn't make sense. They weren't believable. Well, the acting didn't make it believable. Like, <laughs> this, this, this is where I go and say it's like, it, it felt like there was a story there. Like, he, he, he had something written out. He had an idea in his head. He just had no one there going. It's like, hmm, maybe we should change this a little bit. Maybe give it some structure. Maybe, you know, actually have a bit of a, a thing with Lisa trying to seduce Mark instead of going from, like, I'm like, oh, Mark doesn't seem like too bad a guy. And then, like, five seconds later, I'm like, oh, you're a dick. What I'm gathering from this conversation is that the room really is representative of the time, you know, of the 2000s era. It was just a lot of men not being told no and doing what they want. So... (laughs) (laughs) But... but the, All of creepy men like Justin Timberlake in his music video with his Britney Spears doppelganger, which we find out almost 20 years later, he was being not a good man behind the scenes. The, uh, I'm just saying. I, I would maybe agree with this, except for the fact that in this film, the, the only person who didn't understand uh, the word no was Lisa. The fact mm. that she was just like constantly... <laughs> Pestering everyone, yeah. Mark, while <laughs> playing Johnny, and Mark's like, Leave me alone, stop calling me. And she's like, But I miss you, I want to have sex with you. If if a guy did that, even back in the early 2000s, there would be like restraining orders. But a guy wrote those lines and directed that scene and edited that scene, <laughs> if you can call it directing or writing. <laughs> I may have alluded to the fact that Tommy Wiseau is laundering money and maybe murdered somebody, and the whole thing was, you know, a product of a sexually not great time for women. Um, however, I'm not going to say he didn't direct or write this movie. Film <laughs> Filmmaking takes work, and an indie filmmaker never shits on another indie filmmaker. <laughs> and that's how The Room gets so popular. I mean... What a- I've, I've never made a film. Cheerleader. <laughs> Which is for for the record, Ashley is not the jerk in this conversation. Ashley is the one being very respectful for the room, whereas Devin and Drew of the Beardy and the Beast podcast are just taking a dump all over this film because it's not good. No. <laughs> and I can't be I can't be dishonest. I am for sale. But... <laughs> Like for like human trafficking offers, like what are you hoping for? Hey, little does everyone know that we that people could choose to pay us money, and we will not say necessarily bad things about their films. I will not. Wait, is this blackmail operation? Now I don't have any money. Don't shake me down (laughs) to delete that review on. (laughs) I I I will. I will do a review of a film if paid. I will just not say any of the negative things that I'm thinking about it. Yep. <laughs> Be a hundred percent truthful in a review. Otherwise <laughs> I am for sale. Um, As we discussed before we ever started the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the, the weird character inconsistencies, because I keep wanting to shine a spotlight on this in the span of what would have been 20 minutes in that universe's time, Johnny went from 
kissing Claudette, the mother, on the cheek during a party, and Claudette just being like infatuated with Johnny for no reason, to like calling her a B. And I was like, what? You guys are in such good terms. You're on better terms with her mom than you are with her. <laughs> I don't get anything about the writing. Have someone maybe read the script first and go, <laughs> hmm, maybe we should change this stuff. And again, that, that's the thing I'm saying. It's like, I'm watching this. It's like, I could, I could see taking what you have and just re-editing it and having some sort of cohesive story. I just don't think he had any idea what he was doing and didn't think about it or... or... In 2003, like, he could have been... I, I do not know, and I'm not accusing him of entirely possible that he might have just been, like, on some type of drugs. I mean, filmmaking in California. You guys have also left out the fact that he filmed it digitally and with film at the same time from two different cameras. That feels important for a film podcast to mention. Um, I didn't even notice. Yeah. Well, he didn't use all of it. <laughs> well, I, I guess him, like he had like a four hour, had like four hours, wanted to be like four hours long or something like that. Oh, geez. <laughs> yeah, that would have never gotten by me for the podcast. I've been like, nope. <laughs> I also just want to add, it is possible. Maybe he got too much useful feedback on his screenplay. And he was finally like, you guys, I've just got to trust my gut and be true to my own artistic vision here. I'm getting feedback from everybody. I've just got to do what's best for Wiseau. Yeah, and, and it would have been listening my, to everyone else. <laughs> I'm going to take my kindness hat off now and say, or he's a really shitty writer. However, at least he wrote something. Because you wouldn't believe how many writers are out, writers are out there that have ideas and have never written a page. There, there's like a trope in there's there's a trope in filmmaking about that very thing, um, especially when it has anything to do with Los Angeles. The the person who has a idea for a show, or the person who's writing a script and they're going to make it big. That's very very much a, a true fact that a lot of people have an idea but don't have the actual ambition or work um, drive through with it. That's why like, I have a lot of respect for you as a filmmaker. Like, You come up with a concept, you write it, direct it, etc., and you actually like push through and have a final product. That's so difficult. I'm gen genuinely not sure what's worse, though. The people that always talk about how much they're writing that don't do anything, or the ones that tell the people that are writing all of their ideas and how they should make the things for them. Because you wouldn't believe how many people told me, you should make this movie. Or they'll be like, I have this idea we should collaborate on, but they've never made anything before. And I'm like, so you just want me to fund your project <laughs> and, and write it for you and I'm edit it and film it. The fact that Tommy Wiseau went out and made his own film with his however ill-gotten money, at least he did it and he was his own biggest cheerleader and that I have to respect. I respect it that they call it a drama, but it was so absurd that it came off to me as a comedy and I was actually like genuinely laughing at it. Oh yeah. I was entertained for sure. <laughs> okay. You guys, please right now, Google <laughs> a picture of the billboard that he had up for years in Hollywood. Okay. Uh, all right. Devin, your life will be better for this. <laughs> Drew, you've hit rock bottom a long time ago. I mean, this is just... I mean, harsh, but true. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, <man. laughs>
write about that in the tear soaked pages of my diary. <laughs> the best movie ever, it says. Because if you put quotations around something, it means somebody has said it and it must be true. Oh, obviously. <laughs> I mean, I do like the fact that he's leaning into its um, negativity. It's like when, um, I can't think of, so I think maybe Kevin, Kevin Smith is silly as he is kind of, I think he did one of those things where they take a negative review. Selling point. I, I believe we saw that with um, Little Hours, <laughs> the negative Christian reviews. Yes, yes. That they just. Hey, you know what? Maybe, maybe this film had remnants of like the Decameron and the fact that it like maybe it was just seven pages, and like everything else was just made up on the fly. No, apparently, because Tommy was um, so was having to read from cue cards because he couldn't remember what he wrote for his own lines. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would make sense why his delivery is all weird and he's always looking yeah. somewhere different yeah. in one shot than he is. Uh, there was one author, I can't not remember who it was now. She was, it was that same type of thing where it was just, she had a book that sold massively because it was just that bad. It makes me wonder if, like, if someone like that would lean into it as well. I mean, I really think he just, he was a product of his time, and I don't think he could have the quote-unquote success now, if the room was to come out, like, right now. He came out right before social media really blew up, and he still had more control over his messaging and over his identity and branding before mm. everybody else could have their say. So he could go out and, you know make the merch, make the billboard and get people talking about it, but they couldn't communicate effectively enough to be like, actually that movie's shit, to warn people not to see it. And there wasn't enough noise to drown it out. I mean, the novelty of a movie that was so bad was still there, but I think if it came out now, like he did a movie with his friend, oh my god, the guy that wrote The Disaster Artist, the guy that played Mark, what's his mm. name? Um, but he did a movie with him like a few years back now, right? Called BFFs. And I don't think anybody yeah. saw it. I know I didn't watch it. Oh, Greg Sestero. I was probably just trying to cash in on the hype. The hype almost 20 years late. But yeah, exactly. He tried and nobody saw it. Well, Best Friends came out in 2017. So did The Disaster Artist. So yeah. if he, if he had a heads up, he's probably just trying to cash in and on that hype at the end. I, I think people still, like, even with social media, I, I think this movie still actually probably would have become what it has because it's so memeable. Just the fact there's so much you can take from it that people are going to watch it for that reason only. I think it's a time capsule. Kind of also live in a, a time where it would get blasted in a headline on social media. People read that headline and be like, okay, I won't watch that. Mm. And not even get yeah. to that meme. It would end up being like an underground thing, but not right now. It is kind of that like overground underground, like a mainstream, you know, emo bands that sell out. Yeah. Uh... Are you upset you didn't get tickets to that cruise or something? Oh, uh, the emo's not dead cruise. I would love to go, but then I would have to go to That'd California. Be I mean, they are going to Mexico, which would be nice. I wouldn't mind going there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sure California is not that bad. I just like listeners there but fun to make fun of other places that are not here um <laughs> if you want to listen to make fun of places that are close to where we've lived <laughs> go listen to ashley's podcast 
Hey. As we, as we crap on stuff out of nowhere. <laughs> Sadly, that's taking a bit of a hiatus. I don't know if the show is coming back maybe one day, but yeah, there are some inter- interesting interviews um, in past episodes if anyone wants to check that out. I heard there's some these guys called Beardy and the Beast or something. <laughs> yeah, they make a few appearances. I don't know what their deal is, but yeah. Just, <laughs> yeah, filling time because you didn't want to do solo casts. Well, now I'm kicking myself because I didn't try to talk to Tommy to Tommy Wiseau because I bet I could have. Like now that my energy's coming back and stuff, and I'm feeling better, I'm like, shit, I should have, should have tried to talk to Tommy Wiseau. And then there could have been like a a cross promotion podcast thing. Oh, but he probably would have turned into one of those guests that then think we're like. And I, the, by the way, this isn't a jab at you guys at all. I'm going to preface by saying that. But sometimes you interview guests and then they you've literally met them once for the interview. And then they think you're besties and that you're constantly getting emails to promote their stuff. And it's like. Anyway, I think that's how it would have went with Tommy Wiseau. So maybe it's for the best that we've never met. <laughs> I'm just too cool for him. I'm too cool for him. Yeah, me, me, me and Dev get what you're putting down. We understand. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, then we, we Drew get just it. shows up here. And... <laughs> the, uh, to, to be back on track. So about 20 minutes we on in, track? about 20 minutes into this film, I I looked at the like the time remaining. I was like, how is this film an hour and 40 minutes long? There's <laughs> nothing about this that needs to be an hour and 40 minutes long. Again, every every scene was 60% longer than it actually needed to be. And half of it could be cut out. Especially when people just come to the door, say, oh, hi, is Johnny here? No. Okay, I go now. I'm just like, if he if he was trying to ca- cash in on some, like, Seinfeld reminiscent, like, film about nothing, and uh, people just show up randomly and say dumb, dumb things, then I'd be like, okay. But any... Any meaning in the film is completely lost to the fact that he shoots himself at the end. Isn't it like it? <laughs> so he he's like awkwardly knocking things off of dressers and stuff. And I'm like, okay, this is the weirdest tantrum I've ever seen. And then all of a sudden he like has a gun for no reason. And he's like, well, I guess it's all over and shoots himself. Just so, like, everyone else can feel bad about themselves? Like, I just don't understand. So you mentioned um, the kind of Seinfeld-esque pithiness of people just showing up and leaving. Mm. What if that actually was a Seinfeld reference that we all missed? Okay, I'm going to put on my conspiracy hat this time again. Not implying murder, but, like, maybe (laughs) this was a brilliant movie because he was trying to explore American film tropes through the lens of like a non-native English speaking immigrant and how they might interpret things with a language barrier and how fake Hollywood is, which is why there's plastic spoons in the frames. And yeah, that someone's written a paper like that. Fun fact, back in college, I wrote a paper about why Joss Whedon (laughs) could be considered a feminist icon from his work with Firefly. Ah, that didn't age well. I mean, doesn't he, didn't he call himself a feminist? Oh, yeah. uh, I mean, I was talking about the characters in the show, but then, yeah, he straight up, like, you know, traded sexual favors and stuff for work. And 
Oh, so you mean like a male feminist? Not a good man. Yeah, well, yeah, anybody that calls themselves a male feminist is like, that's instant red flag, avoid behavior, (laughs) never trust them. But I was naive, and I thought I was so clever picking a man for my feminist paper. I'll show that class. You didn't interview him, did you? Is this some, like, weird cry for help through the the ages? Whose baby is it, actually? (laughs) God. No, I did not meet Joss Whedon. I would have leveraged that career assistance to be doing a little bit better than appearing on the Beardy and the Beast podcast. No, this is the height of your career. (laughs) That feels like a slight. (laughs) He implied that my baby is not my husband, so I'm allowed to knock your podcast. But I'm having I'm a baby. Ter- Congratulations! Oh my god! I hate you all so much. <laughs> That's the thing. I'm the jerk in this in this situation, so I get to say dumb shit. Isn't that how it works? <laughs> um. Oh, I swore. Jeez. Um. <laughs> there, there oh, this is a no swearing show. We, we well, I'm our, sorry. No, we do our best, but we do our best. Oh, I I didn't even realize. I yeah. Oops. Someone proves they don't listen to our podcasts. I do. <laughs> I'm so surprised. I have. Not everyone, but I have listened. Hmm, I can think. I'm, I'm guessing there was two you listened to. It's hard <laughs> no, she definitely didn't listen to herself. It's really hard listening to a podcast with friends because I just want to like talk to you guys. And <laughs> the recording and it's weird. But back to what you were saying. I could almost buy that he was trying to deconstruct tropes because uh, again like I, I it felt it had that soapy feel to it like again like i felt like there was i felt like something was being tried and just no idea how to execute <laughs> like that, and that was constantly in my mind throughout the film so it i doesn't... could see something like that you too you too might be geniuses you might be super smart i I think you're on to something like if it was like american media as um seen through the lens of uh someone who was not born within this within that culture so much might make sense especially with your addition there i'm wondering he should have went with that instead of like whatever weird lean-ins that he had i think i think that would have made sense if he went that way but see, it came out in 2003, thus it was a product of its era. If it came out now, yeah, he would lean into the whole virtue signaling aspect of it. But at the time, it was easier to be like, haha, it's kind of rapey and you see my ass. Isn't this funny? This was totally deliberate. Hmm. No? Well, I, 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 think he, I, like, I, I do think he leaned into the wrong aspects. My, my, trouble, my, tr- my trouble with the, this film... To kind of like sum it up is the only real positive that I see is that it was funny. Mm. It's supposed to be a drama. So is that a good thing? I definitely wanted to fast forward a bunch of times. I definitely wanted to push ahead, especially with all the butt scenes, weird chocolate sex for no reason. You're sitting here and you're like, I've never met, met or seen these people before, but we have a bit about underwear. I don't know. What I've heard like with um, Stephanie Mayer when she was writing Twilight, it's that that idea of like wanting to write something steamy, but being Mormon. So you can't (laughs) do either of you watch star Trek. I've seen an episode or two. Okay. So every time star Trek tries to be quote unquote sexy, 
It is the cringiest stuff I've ever seen. Oh, like written by people who may have never had sex before. Most likely. A la Twilight yeah. and The Room. Again, it's like his idea of like what he took his examples from. Again, felt like days of our lives instead of, you know, anything else that existed. <laughs> like it, it just had that super soapy feel that it felt like that was the only experience with media media he saw when he went to write this film. At least at least we can be happy that there isn't some like online campaign for the the wise owl cut with all the like <laughs> the cutout footage to make one giant four hour long movie because people would subject sure themselves to that. There. It's probably out there. <laughs> and they'd probably end up like Johnny in the end of the movie. <laughs> in both digital and film. So what's it what scenes were digital then? Like the rooftop ones, I think, then. I the, think the entire released movie was digital, but he also shot it in film. Oh, at the same he, time. Yeah, because he didn't know the difference. And like I know you're talking about the over budget and such. He didn't know the difference. And unlike every other film production out there where they'll rent those cameras, he like purchased these massive expensive cameras outright. Yeah. And because he didn't know what he was doing. He's like, well, I obviously need both. Yeah. <laughs> I think they were actually attached to each other too, which would mean that one camera has like a slightly different angle than the other. This, this would so make somewhere the... out there. There's another version. That's like a little bit off. Wondering if it, that would make the film angles of the alley, the four person football tossing alley scene actually makes sense. Where there's people mm -hmm. talking and it's like for 30 seconds it's focused on the two people who are not talking. Mm. I think it was like it was Tommy and Denny yeah. and then Mark and the weird psychologist that got added to the film for no um are all playing football in this alleyway. Oh no, it wasn't uh the psychologist, it was uh weird chocolate sex guy. Um, and like Mark and Chocolate Sex Guy are saying saying things, but it's just focused on Denny and Tommy, and they're not doing anything. They're not even yeah. reacting to it. Like, it didn't make sense. Well, it made perfect sense because Tommy Wiseau was in the scene. Yes. <laughs> and this is why you guys need to watch and read The Disaster Artist. There's so much lore behind the room <laughs> that you can't fully appreciate. <laughs> now I've got you thinking about camera angles and stuff. I've got you thinking about the spoons and the background pictures. Oh, you guys are going to have to go down a room rabbit hole and you're welcome for that. So what just, weird stuff have you hidden in all of the scenes of your films, Ashley? <laughs> Do you have sparks? Uh, it's my blood, sweat, and tears, Devin. That's literal. It's kind of gross. Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> uh, I will say, though, like with Pity Party, I mean, this is why, again, I can't fully shit on the room because, I mean, I went into that with a vision. You know, I had an idea. And part of my reason for making the film to the listeners that aren't familiar with it, which is all of them, was that I was like, OK, I need to make a career change. I can either go to film school or I can just make this movie. So I made a movie for $10,000. Like, it's a feature length film. And, you know, you can tell it was made for $10,000. but. I went into it with an idea of how I was going to construct the scenes and everything. I wanted it to be kind of like a series of sketches and stuff like that. 
And perhaps I didn't get as much feedback as I should have, a la Tommy Wiseau. Perhaps people were too nice to me and too supportive and didn't say, hey, some of these dialogue choices don't make sense. Because, you know, my Ashley brain will make connections that other people aren't necessarily getting when they're watching the movie. So I've found that people that go into Pity Party with an explanation about what's happening seem to understand it and like it much more than those that watched it blind. So yeah, sometimes you just need to creatively figure stuff out. I don't know where I'm going with this. I'm just trying to make myself sound smarter than I am. It goes to what I was saying. It's like, again, having a friend to read over the script first. So you iron out that iron out those things. Like, I, I know you, you, you put something in front of us a little while ago for that feedback. It's like, I'm going to be honest because that's the purpose of it. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's not to crap on anything, but it's to make sure things make sense. And I can't remember, like, I've heard this about some filmmakers. It's just not coming to my mind. It's like, they can't handle that someone saying no, so they just shove it out. But, I mean, Star Wars wouldn't be what it was if Lucas didn't have someone going, no, no, that's dumb. A lot of the original trilogy is strong because he had people saying, no, I wouldn't do that. A lot of that was his wife at the time. She would like any success of Star Wars, in my opinion, majority because his wife just being like stupid. <laughs> but I mean, I'll be honest, like my films and stuff, pretty much all of them are made out of spite or to prove that I could. Like I've applied and re been rejected to so many grants and funding things because, okay, to the Your American listeners, we have a much different film funding system up here. Um, for independent films, you pretty much have to make them entirely yourself or you can apply for different government grants. Of course, there are problems with which films always get selected to be funded. We don't have the same private studio system. So anyway, I digress. Been rejected by many a grant. And then each time I was just like, well, I'm going to make it anyway. And yeah, when you self-fund th self things, they don't necessarily turn out quite as good as if you have a Hollywood budget, which is why, again, I empathize with Tommy Wiseau. Well, in, in a, you should point out, like, the budget of a film isn't an end-all be-all. Like, you could definitely have massively entertaining stories that, you know, you can clearly see the strings on the monsters in it like i i've been watching some unfiction stuff um what was it called it's like hi mary i'm mary i think was one of them where it's just there's like i think that's the one it was there's like this monster and it's like clearly this crappy paper mache monster but it doesn't matter because the story is there well i th i definitely think a film like pity party would be much more deserving of the six million dollar budget compared to a room and that is the nicest thing you've said to me. Thank you. If I ever get $6 million to make a movie, I will actually pay you to be in it. I mean, <laughs> you paid me an exposure. You had me star in your film, and there was a bunch of nice <laughs> side actors, and they, they did a good job. The directing seemed great, and everyone remembered their line. I mean, I, I had a solid performance. Check it out. Pity party. <laughs> on vimeo for free <laughs> i guess <laughs> i don't think i'll be able to get us back on track so uh again i like how he keeps implying that there was a track no we, we, were we, we talked time. about the film <laughs> it's uh if you it's... like other independent films 
with tiny budgets that are actually well made, you should check out the Foggy Owl Film Festival and submit your film. Uh, yeah, because we just opened for submissions. So submit your low budget, but not shitty, short, dark comedy or creative horror film through foggyowlfilms.com. Thanks for letting me show that. Oh, that's okay. And make sure. Thanks to... for letting us do videos on your film festival for exposure ourselves. <laughs> the trade. We'll do it again this year. <laughs> oh yeah. Check out Fat B Shorts. <laughs> check, check out AshleyGood.ca to uh, find out what other works Ashley Good has produced. Various books. Check, oh, you guys didn't. Check guys out her podcast. Me. Every time I come here, I'm just like, oh, stop it. Check out her podcast to see how she really feels about us. <laughs> Just hang out in a bush with binoculars outside her house. It's cool. Please don't. <laughs> don't do that. I do not endorse my own message. Um, so I guess. Hey, can you explain that weird flashing I've been seeing in the corner of my bedroom? Is there like a camera or something I should look for? <laughs> I downloaded one of those apps to try to find them, but it doesn't seem to be working. I don't know. I can't explain it. It's it's a ghost sensor. It's because your house is haunted. Oh, fuck. Here, I mean... Let me, just, let me just check online to see if the cameras work. I mean... <laughs> so to, to recap the room, I actually think people should watch it. Uh, I agree with one, one thing that I saw, which is it's the best worst movie you'll ever watch. Yeah. I don't have a rating for it because there's... No way I could possibly even arbitrarily assign form of reading to such a masterpiece. <laughs> I, yeah, I actually, I, I agree. It's like, I didn't hate watching it. Um, I, I, I think, I think it would have been interesting to experience like watching it with people, but I didn't hate, I, I enjoyed my time watching it. I mean, should, like mystery science the theatering it yeah. as as Ashley had mentioned, like the whole like culture around it. I honestly wouldn't mind a play of it. Something like um like Rocky Horror esque, but like the room. Mm. I'd be down for that. I died ghost. Uh you just yeah. want to see that sweet, sweet chocolate scene in person. I do like a chocolate. Um, <laughs> well, I guess I guess with that, I I won't wrap it up. Of course, uh, joining us was our extremely talented and kind uh, guest, <laughs> Ashley. Uh, submit your films to the Foggy Isle Film Festival. and uh, In the description, I'll put links in various things. And something something BNB20. It's not for my Airbnb. It is for a discount. Uh, yeah, uh, the code was BNB, BN. The letter B20 to save 20% off of your film submission through foggyalfilms.com. And also, I hate your constant compliments, but I do love being on the show. And yeah, you guys are awesome. Everybody <laughs> should rate and review like five stars. Yeah. Five <laughs> real stars, not like a humoring way. Like we might give the room five stars. I'm five rambling. Real? Thanks for having me on. <laughs> five real stars, stars would destroy the planet, Ashley. Stop it. <laughs> as always, if you like what we do, give us a like and a subscribe. Share us with your friends. Join us in the conversation in the comments or at our Discord. Join us next time, where we discuss Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. Later. <laughs>